From the east side to the west, this is From the Land, the Cleveland Sports and More podcast. I'm your host, Jason Gerber, and tonight we start sad in the land, but end on a high note. On the road, we talk NFL on and off the field, baseball's quick championship series, and we check in on our NBA side piece standings. Off the field, we succumb to unstoppable girl power in another From the Land All Ears new album review. I am joined tonight, as always, by two of the best ever, my co-hosts, Phil Denko and Chuck Rambaldo are here. Fellas, do we have any feelings on the Yankees? Maybe getting swept by the Astros in the ALCS. Well, you know, you, you hate to see it, right? You just, you hate to see oh. it. All these fans, all these wonderful Yankee fans, such diehard fans. You just feel so bad if they were to get swept tonight. I really, I'm pulling for the Yankees tonight, I think. <laughs> oh boy. I'm not. <laughs> yeah, such such diehard fans that you could get a ticket for 28 bucks on like aftermarket sites today. It must be the name change, right? Yeah. <laughs> I don't hate the Yankees like everybody else does. I hate the Astros for sure, but I'm fine with them getting swept just as long as, you know, the Astros. Well, we could talk about it later, I'm assuming. I just hate the Astros. <laughs> to be 100% clear, nobody on this show is rooting for the Astros. We're just rooting for the Yankees to get swept. Um, I would not root for the Houston Astros in any circumstances, but I am happy to see the Yankees Maybe losing this series so quickly. That's a lot of fun. Let's go ahead and start at home. And it's going to be a slog here for a little bit, fellas, because it has not been a great week for Cleveland sports. We're going to start with our Guardians, our final recap for them at the end of the divisional playoff series against the Yankees. It was a frustrating end to a fun season. The guards stretched the Yankees to five games in the ALDS, but couldn't get a win in the deciding game ending their season with a 5-1 loss. So what went wrong for the guards? Pretty much what we had talked about leading into that game, like a, a nightmare scenario that the Yankees jump out two to three runs and that game could be over. Uh, but what really went wrong is you only needed Savali to get through that lineup one time. That's all you needed. And then to turn it over to the bullpen. And it just didn't work out. And it's been second-guessed all week. And I'm I'm kind of sick of reading people's comments, to be honest. Like, Savali had to do better than he did. That's the best way I could put it. A guy coming off 12 days without pitching. It's, it's rough in that game. Even rougher. But th I guess that's what went wrong. Yeah, that definitely went sideways for Savali really quick. Uh, another thing that went wrong for the Guardians, though, is um, the offense. It, it just, even if they had gotten better pitching earlier in that game, you had to score more than one run to win that game. Right. And they had, they had one opportunity maybe with bases loaded and and they squandered that. I think that's where they had, they got the one run across, but their offense really, they out hit the Yankees, but were never really threatening throughout the game. And that was a problem because you knew you'd hope you'd get really solid pitching, even though we were down three, nothing before anyone even blinked, you know, they, they held the Yankees to basically three hits that produce runs and it was just our offense couldn't couldn't get that clutch hit couldn't get the guys on in front of the guys that could put the ball in play and push those runs across to keep it a close game so there was still a chance as we got into our bullpen to to, to kind of hold a a one or two run lead so at the end of the day scoring one run is not going to win you a game anyway in that situation i think i'm on the side of the offense being the issue because for everybody's complaints about starting savali and i know he didn't have a good game 
but what was the better option? You couldn't go the whole game just in the bullpen. You didn't have enough arms. And I don't know that starting Bieber on short rest is any more or less risky than starting Savali after 12 days off. So I don't buy that. I just think that the Guardians played most of that series not like themselves. That the plate discipline was terrible, man. There were so many strikeouts and opportunities to get people on base or move runners along or make something happen in in an inning, and they just lost it because they didn't they didn't swing the bats well. I mean, almost top to bottom in that lineup didn't swing the bats well. So I, I really think that was what went wrong for them. But let's try to find something good. What's the most positive takeaway? from this series for the guardians most positive i the the young guards again you know the you look back at that series we pushed the yankees to the brink and we had oscar gonzalez with a walk-off home run and and these young guys would just they made their major league debuts this year in call-up situations and they became the clutch hitters and the the cornerstones of our outfield and all these kind of things so i'm gonna i'm gonna look at i mean not only this series, but the whole season, the, the the most positive thing is we have a lot of young talent in positions that we had nothing but question marks in coming into the year. It's a few things. One, Tito already says, yeah, I'm, I'm going to come back and it's year yep. to year. That, that's the biggest thing for me. Uh, and also that you may be able to squeeze something out of this from an ownership standpoint. Like you might be able to convince them that, hey, we made a real run, but there's also some holes here we need to address. And I'm not saying they need to break a bank, but you know we could probably do a whole show about what they need this offseason uh, because you, you can't muster runs in the. It's just too hard in the postseason to string hits together. Uh, you need somebody who can who can mash, or even two guys who could mash. But the thing I take away from it is, um, man, what an absolutely fun ride that I didn't think we would be on where it ended, but. Mostly that that Tito, even with his health issues, is already committed to coming back to see this through. Having Tito come back is great. It feels like this team has re-energized him a little bit. And I think that that's a really good byproduct of all the fun that they had this summer. I just think getting the experience, going into Yankee Stadium multiple times, winning a playoff game in Yankee Stadium, coming home and, and winning a game, in your final at bat onto your final strike. That's good experience that I think we talked about last year. The Cavs didn't get because they didn't make it out of the play in. So I think that experience should be good. And hopefully th there's some movement with some, some signings or some trades or something like that to bring in another bat this year. But for the most part, man, I don't know if I'd be that worried about them just running it back with pretty much the same group that they have now, but we will. At some point in the near future, we'll set aside some serious time to recap the season and, and look ahead to next season. That's it for our Guardians' final recap of the season. Let's move on from bad to ugly. Skid marks, the brown and orange road to downtown mediocrity. Our <laughs> weekly look at the Cleveland Browns. Browns lost another close game this week to the Ravens, 23-20. to They fall to 2-5 and in the division. And I don't know. I guess this wasn't as shitty as last week, right? Right, right. Yeah, you're right. And still was shitty the way it ended. But after after the game ended, I was thinking about it. Had they played like that in several of the games that they had lost previously, they probably would have two more wins this season already. Right. But again, you, you take each game for what it is within the, the confines of those four quarters and they just couldn't get it done today. They kind of got in their own way a little bit. You, you know, the, the Coolwater Cooper offensive uh pass interference call on that drive that really we were 
kind of marching down to take the lead was, was big. I don't, I mean, you guys correct me if I'm wrong. How many times do we see offensive pass interference called? Um, not that much. Yeah. I, I'm not saying it wasn't. I mean, when you show, when you watch the replay, like, okay, I guess that falls within that within that happens, the rule. Um, but yeah. exactly, exactly. That'd be, again, it's like the holding call, right? Like, all right, if it's not egregious, you don't call it. So I don't know. It was a weird game that I, I don't know what to think of it. I, I didn't, I wasn't upset. I wasn't, I was just like, yeah, okay, moving on. And and the good news is we only have to go, you know, four and oh in our next four games to get to where <laughs> I hoped we would be. <laughs> Do you remember how for like, I don't know, the last 20 years, you know, you'd watch a Browns game and you'd be excited. Like if they were competitive and you'd be like, oh, hey, at least they didn't yeah. get creamed. And then we kind of thought that was changing because we thought there was like a new era coming to Cleveland. Yeah. Um, do you think we're still back in that other one? <laughs> Should we be? I think, it, I think old habits, man, they, they die hard. Like we want to, we always want to think that uh, chicken shit is chicken salad with this organization. And it maybe this still doesn't feel like chicken shit, but this, this is a bad coach team with a, just a bad team in general. They, they have, constantly found ways to to lose games but the franchise we love died 25 years ago and it's like every sunday we're just digging up the corpse and maybe drinking too much watching it <laughs> sounds like a lot of fun <laughs> why, why do we do this 22 cleveland browns everybody <laughs> yeah what are we doing <laughs> all right well let's move on michael versus fredo evaluating kevin stefanski's coaching decisions first drive of the game Ran the ball twice inside the 10 and whoa, got a touchdown. Then there were no touchdowns in the second and third quarter. Got back to running the ball in the fourth, scored a touchdown. Final drive, third and two, already probably in field goal range, and they pass. And that was the one where the offensive PI got called on Cooper. I think it's a bullshit call. I think we see that every play in the NFL where guys are hand fighting a little bit like this and somebody's shoving somebody. I I've only ever seen it called on the Browns, I swear to God. But anyway, <laughs> those types of decisions on the offense or other decisions you saw during the game, was Stefanski Fredo or was he Michael Corleone? Man, he started down the path of Michael for sure. And I'll, I'll say on both sides of the ball, we were dialing up some some blitzes on on third down and and pressuring Lamar Jackson. And when we put pressure on that dynamic quarterback, the defense got off the field. It was it was pretty good. There was a hint of Michael in there somewhere, but then it just <laughs> went to shit again. And Fredo Fredo came back to the forefront because it was exactly like you described, or like the, you just shake your heads, like wait a minute, what? None of those penalties that were called could be called if we hand the ball off on third and two. Yeah. <laughs> they can't be called. And in a situation where you could have lined up for a field goal if you didn't get the first down on third and two, if it ended up being fourth and inches at this point in the season, you might have quarterback sneaked it and, and turned and got a new set of downs, if whatever. But it, it, so again, I, I feel like there was way more Fredo than Michael today for sure. Before I Fredo this guy. Um... <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think the defense might have had its best game. They made the most dynamic player in the NFL look very pedestrian at times today. But that also might have been a game plan from the Ravens point. Like they knew it would be an ugly game and we just need to get a win. So let me <laughs> let me afraid of this ass. The defense made a huge stop very early on in the third quarter. And they came out and threw the ball three fucking times. Yeah. And it resulted in a fumble and a touchdown. What is what the fuck? 
was that tight end shovel pass? What Twice the f- today. Oh. Why the f- are well, we doing that? The first time it was up? cool. Yeah. The first well, time it worked. Yeah. But but why the f- are we running handoffs out of a shotgun with these running backs? And even so, hey, remember, I hate this fucking running back rotation right now. Remember when those two were on the same field for one play? And we thought, here's this is going to be great. That hasn't happened. Uh, Nick Chubb went 18 minutes without touching the ball. 18 fucking minutes in, in a game like this. Alfredo, man. Like, I, I, I don't understand. <laughs> I'm talking about the same shit for the past like, three years here. Uh, he was Alfredo today, man. I'm not going to be quite as harsh as you guys. I think, you know, the Ravens are a good team. You're on the road. That's a tough game. And they were in a position to win at the end. So I'm going half Fredo. It's kind of like when Fredo was sent out West to run casinos for the family. Like he could do that. Like you couldn't trust Fredo to handle like the politics of the five families in New York. No, he's not up for that, but he could run a casino. And so it's kind of feel like, I don't know, maybe it's football coaching light, but I'm giving him a half Fredo for the week. Yeah, he could uh, run a casino in Reno, maybe, not in <laughs> Vegas. Hey, don't shit on Reno. Reno's a I'm great not uh, shitting on Reno. Biggest, I'm just saying biggest it's not, little it's city not in the world. Isn't it Fredo that he's constantly putting the game in the hands of Jacoby Brissett and the special teams? Yeah. And that's how you lose. Yeah, listen, that third and two call was so bad. Run the ball, get the first down, get a new set of downs in field goal range, and then if you want to take some shots at the end zone and win the game, do it. That's great. You still had one timeout. You you, you only had, like, at that point, like 30 yards to go. You, you can make something happen. Um, but you don't, on third down, pass that. What, are you going to go for it on fourth and two? No, you're going to kick him from further away than, I don't know, man. It's just a, it was just bad. Just bad. All right. Ah, half Fredo. <laughs> and maybe it's a quarter Fredo. I don't know. Never, never want to go Fredo. half Fredo. Yeah. <laughs> don't go it's half better Fredo. than full Fredo. It better is. Than full it Fredo is. for sure. All right. Who is your MMB? Your most meh Brown for the game. Oh, Jacoby Brissett was 22 for 27, 258 yards, but he did take five sacks. He had a fumble. Kareem Hunt, five carries for four yards, one catch for four yards, but he had a touchdown. Taki Taki, just because we've got to have somebody on the defense, led the team with eight tackles, but tackle may be playing a little loose with the language. Browns <laughs> gave up 160 yards on the ground. Chuck, who's your MMB? Can I go off scripts? Get yeah. Off the, off the Whatever you want. I, I think in this game, uh, if he would have stayed healthy, it was Njoku. You definitely missed him once he got hurt. Oh, absolutely. You know, like yeah. he, he looked... I think that's the bright spot that I'm seeing so far this year is that a guy we've been waiting for to break out and mismatch. He he looks great, and I love what they're doing with him. And, and you, it was a noticeable difference uh, when he wasn't on the field for the offense, unless he could play defense too. I agree with you. For a guy, and, and I'm a guy who's been down on him the last couple of years, he's played great. Anyway, I don't know if he was meh. He was actually really good until he got hurt. Oh, I'm sorry. I must have. <laughs> I must have forgot. I must have fucked up the scale. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> he was Don't the only good it. player. He was offense. the only good part, is what I <laughs> yeah, meant. It was, yeah. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Phil, who's your MMB? Ah, the most meh player on the Browns. Geez, there's so many to choose from. Um, I'll I'll stick with your list Be- because I feel like we can't possibly give awards to our defense yet this year. So I'll give it to Taki Taki because that's exactly what I thought watching him play. I'm like, well, he's um he he might be treading water slightly below average in our linebacking core. Like this is yeah. not good. Like we, it was good to see the guy we just traded for out there playing, I guess, but you know, 
our, our linebacking core is a problem and it seems to be getting worse every week and Taki Taki leading the leading the defense in, in tackles because he caught the running back 12 yards after the line of scrimmage is, is pretty meh. If you ask me, yeah. how did I understand the scale? Can I actually tell <laughs> yeah, you? Go ahead, I'm still sure. going off. It's, it's Jendrick Wills. That guy stinks, uh, man. That guy uh, is no good, dude. Oh, no. Yeah. That guy yeah. is no good. I like the, I like the Dutch uh, right guard we have now though. <laughs> yeah. We're going to get to it. Oh no. <laughs> I had never thought you would bring him up in the show. <laughs> uh, I'm going with Kareem Hunt. Didn't do much, but didn't get many chances either. So I don't know who you blame for that. All right. Enough of this. Tell me something good. <laughs> Something good. Well, my something good is is David Njoku, and hopefully he's not hurt seriously because he he was having the kind of game we need that tight end to have, especially with Jacoby Brissett under center. Like that was yeah. he was get yards after catch. He was getting open in the middle of the field. He was catching little pitches in the middle of the line and running for yards. Like it, he was having a really good game. And for him to, I think it was an ankle injury. So hopefully it's not serious because he's starting to show that ability we had hoped we'd see in Najoku these last few years. Since I already screwed it up about five minutes ago, <laughs> uh, I'm going to say Donovan people Jones. He had some separation uh, on that deep ball. He made some nice grabs. And plus I learned today after watching football for 40 some years that you can blow up a guy on a punt. Yeah, it me too. Is nice. It was really smart. <laughs> so I'm yeah. going to him. Well, I'm going with a great Dane. Yelda Froholt <laughs> ah. filling in for Wyatt Teller today. He is the only active player in the NFL from Denmark. Had a nice game and hopefully got some post-game stegflisk, which is a traditional Danish dish <laughs> of crispy pork with par parsley sauce and potatoes. Nice. <laughs> so good game for the great Dane. One last thought on the Browns, fellas. The NFL is a lot of fun. Being a fan of the NFL should be a good time. For a Browns fan, it's not. Is it time for us to set up a side piece draft for the rest of this season in the NFL. <laughs> Anybody? Sure. Why not? <laughs> Next week we're doing it. All right. Enough of the bad news from the land. Let's move on to our week one sip of wine and gold, our weekly calves recap. And I have a feeling we all need something after talking about the guards and the Browns Cavs start the season with a tough loss on the road in like a whole other country. They rebound with a 32-point blowout win in Chicago. Come home tonight and hold on for a low-down, dirty, gritty, and grimy win against the Wizards. They finish the week 2-1. and one. If the season were to end today, they'd be the sixth <laughs> seed. So, scale of 1-5. to five, One being Whispers Strawberry Spumante, ranked as the fifth worst wine in the world. Five being Mighty Cuyahoga Merlot from CLE Urban Winery on Lee Road, how would you rate the first week of Cavs basketball? Thank God. I'm actually going to, I'm going to give it a four. Um, even though tonight's game was a grind and wasn't pretty, I'm I'm really happy Donovan Mitchell's on this team, man. Oh, uh, yeah. That guy's a superstar, period. And it was really great to hear fans and even some of our friend group go, oh, they're going to screw the chemistry up by bringing this guy and he doesn't play defense. I'd rather have a guy who's averaging 30 points through three games, to be honest. I like what this bench is doing, too. Like, the, the bench is out, out today, outscored the starters in the first half. But there's still some tinkering to do, obviously. But I think it's a four. It's a good start to a young season. Yeah, I, I think uh, four for sure. I, it's a great start. It They were really 
in that first game too. I mean, that was, that was a good game up in Toronto. And that was a game where you went into it. Garland gets hurt early in the game. So then you had to kind of change the way you played the rest of that game. And these last two games, they were prepared for it. I think it's a great start because you're, you're seeing a, a slower than expected start from Evan Mobley, but you understand that because he was injured all preseason. You don't have Garland out there yet. And yet you're really playing good basketball already under the leadership of, of Mitchell. So I'm excited to see like as Evan Mobley continues to get better as Garland comes back, this offense could be really hard to defend up and down the floor and in, and in all ways. So uh, a four out of five for me, for sure. I'm pouring myself a glass of mighty Cuyahoga Merlot because I was confused by that scale. I didn't know it was that good. wine. <laughs> it's got to be better than the fifth worst wine ever. <laughs> I guess. And it's made in Cleveland. It's there's only four, road. Come on. There's that's four right. wines that are worse though. You might need well, to check that. <laughs> we got a lot of season to go. I'm giving it a five because they played great in Toronto that's a tough place to play. It's opening night. You know, that crowd is going to be jazzed. The Raptors are going to have a really good team. Uh, and so you went in there and you played really hard. And then you played another playoff team and kicked the crap out of them on the road and came home and, you know, won the, the back end of a, of a back-to-back weekend against a tough, although not really good team, I would say, in the Wizards. But hey, man, they came out and they pulled out a win. Uh, and so I think that's that's a fantastic start to the season. So I'm giving them a five. Raise your wine glass. Who gets your toast this week as the best Cavs player for the week? Kevin Love, referred to by some as the Cavs' silver fox. He is only 34 years old. What? I'm not sure that qualifies. Uh, but he still looks like he's getting better with age. Double-double against the Bulls. Solid all week. Brings a clear maturity to the team that you can see in-game when he's on the floor. Jetty Osmond. 17 points, 15 points, and 16 points in the three games this week. Obviously, last one, Donovan Mitchell, as advertised. 30 points in all three games. He's distributing the ball well. He had two games with eight assists, I think. And clearly the leader when they need it already on this team. So who's getting your toast? All really good options. Um, I'm going to raise my glass to the newcomer and welcome Donovan Mitchell to the CLE because he – he is stepping up in ways that uh, we didn't know it, that unfortunately we need it without Garland out there. Um, but Chuck is right. That that guy is a superstar. That He is good on, on any kind of offensive possession. He can make his own shot. He's distributing the ball. And he set a he set a Cavs record, and unfortunately he broke Austin Carr's record for the most points scored in the first three, season, three games of a season. I heard that on the radio today. I was listening to the game. I'm like, oh, man, AC had a record? now it's donovan mitchell's so he's he's been playing great and that's that's the easy choice there so i I will raise my wine glass to to spider it's it's the same even though the other two guys had 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 a nice week but i'd give it to mitchell alone from from yesterday that like three-quarter court bounce pass to Mobley. Oh, like that's just stuff we, we we just don't see that uh, all that often. And and for a guy that you you worried about defense, he had nine boards, you know, and he's, like you said, he's distributing the ball. And it feels weird to say this on, on a young team three games in, but, like, it feels like it's this dude's team already, and I'm okay with that. Yeah. Strange without Garland there, because, I mean, certainly it's Garland's team last year, I think. But I think I'm going to give it to Jetty, really doing what they need in that small forward position. 
unlike the guy that we thought should be the starting small forward. <laughs> he is starting. Like, <laughs> he started tonight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and he's scoring like two points a game right now, looking looking unprepared out there. So I'm giving to Jetty for giving us a spark off the bench and, and hitting some big shots throughout these first three games. All right, next week, things get dicey right away. On Wednesday night, when my side piece, the Orlando Magic, come to town, then the Cavs hit the road against the Celtics and then back home to play the Knicks on Sunday. Week two, are the Cavs 3-0 and for the week? No, oh, that's a tough draw week two, man. Um, now, the Celtics, as I believe is my side piece, are arguably the best team in the NBA. Magic aren't not that great, but not that bad. That young kid's pretty good. Yeah. But no. I, I wish I could say even Steven because I, I sit on that fence all the time, but there's no way they're going three and oh. Yeah, I agree. I, that, that feels like a two and one, a good week, another two and one week. I, I think you get the magic game in the next game and going into Boston is going to be tough. Well, we like to do tough things on this show. So I'm going with a three and oh <laughs> week. We're going into Boston. We're winning that game. We're, we're setting a tone early in the season that you got to take the cap. Can, can we bring back the winning time quote? Just, just start screaming. Boston the entire time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Phil. Yes, right. we can. Nice. On that note, fellas, why don't we wrap up our at-home segment in the land on this high note? We'll take our first break. We'll come back, talk some NFL and some baseball on the road. Welcome back, fellas, to our second segment. We'll head out on the road. We'll start with NFL Week 7 storylines, but we're going to start off the gridiron. Dan Snyder, owner of the Washington Commanders. Holy cow. Commanders are still under investigation regarding workplace environment. There are reports that Snyder hired private investigators to gather dirt on other owners and Roger Goodell. Last week, Colts owner Jim Irsay commented, that there are grounds to take the team away from Snyder. Then Snyder wrote like a really passive aggressive letter back, basically saying, who is Jim or say? So scale of one to five, one being us arguing about house of the dragon five being live golf versus the PGA. Where do you rank this nerd fight? Wow. Where do I rank this nerd fight? It's, it's not, it's not as grand as PGA versus live golf. Certainly a little bit more important potentially than our, commentary on house of the dragon so i'll give it a i'll give it a solid three on that scale um yeah because who knows what, what might fall out from all this what dirt does dan snyder have on the rest of the nfl oh i can't <laughs> wait i can't wait yeah that's why i think it's a four just because it's gonna get real petty between very wealthy white men yeah it's not like ursa is a saint either like that guy's right. done some real shady shit in his life. Uh, so I'm just, I'm going to give it a four because I'm all for it getting really ugly, really fast. <laughs> I'm all the way at a five. I mean, these are really rich guys about to fight over some crazy stuff that might end with somebody losing an NFL franchise, which there are only 32 of in the entire world. It's a pretty valuable thing. Uh, and it seems like everybody really dislikes Daniel Snyder, but it seems like he's a petty enough dude that he really would start releasing dirt on other owners and Roger Goodell. Uh, and I really hope there's some fun stuff. I don't want any dirt about anyone like being hurt. I don't want there to be any victims in any of this. Um, but I would like some stuff about, you know, like Roger doesn't pick up after his dog when he's walking it or something like that. I think that would be <laughs> oh, hilarious. <man. laughs> 
is there any chance at all that the NFL owners will devour one of their own and make Snyder sell this team? I hope so, but I don't know. It's just a different league. You're you're seeing it in the NBA where owners are being forced to get rid of their teams. Um, I'd like it to because I, I don't know if there's a worse owner than than Daniel Schneider. What what's happened there? Well, I, I could take that back. Maybe Jimmy he has. Yeah, I was about to say maybe he has some good dirt on Jimmy Haslam that he could release first, and we'll go from there. <laughs> All he's got to do is go through the public record of that <laughs> flying J trial. Man, we found plenty of stuff there. You know, if he, I think if Daniel Snyder pisses off the right guy or group of owners, then then yeah, I think they would devour that guy. I do. I, I, I normally no, normal right? Like this is a an old boys club that it's hard to get into, and once you're in it, they're going to protect and all this kind of thing. But I think if he pisses off the right owners. And he might, he just yeah. might. Um, then I think, yeah, then um, screw that guy and they're going to turn around and devour him. Be a really good time for Al Davis to still be alive. Yeah. Just because right. he was an outsider who fought yeah. it and wanted it so badly that I think he would try to protect it. I think he'd be a good adversary for Dan Snyder. It's interesting to see how it'll go. You know, the difference with the NBA is that the league didn't actually force any of those sales recently, like the Clippers and now the Suns just the owners made decisions after being put under so much public pressure that they sold the teams. This would be the league saying, no, you have to sell the team. You're no longer allowed to be a part of this. That's a, that's a huge difference. I can't imagine it happening. I just don't see it. I I think eventually these guys circle the wagon because the legal fight over it would be terrible for everybody involved would cost a gajillion dollars. Oh man, would I love to be a lawyer on that case. <laughs> Houses would be purchased with the money that I would make on that. That would be great. So I don't I don't think it's going to happen. I put it at a really low level, but I do kind of agree with Danko. You go in there and you piss off Robert Kraft and you piss off Jerry Jones yep. and you piss off Roger Goodell, you, you're going to start to, I think, probably lose some of even the more conservative franchise owners, like the guys that own the Chiefs and the guys that own the Steelers and stuff like that. You're going to be left sitting in a foxhole with Jimmy Haslam. That's not a good place to be in that room, I don't think. All right, but uh, moving on to the latest in things are looking up for Baker Mayfield news. Christian McCaffrey got traded to the 49ers in exchange for a second, third, and fourth round pick in 2023 plus a 2024 fifth. Christian McCaffrey is only 26 years old. He is fourth in the league in total yards this season. He was first in total yards in 2019. In between, he played a total of 10 games. Are you surprised that Carolina didn't get a number one in this deal? I'm not all that surprised. I I looked at what they got and thought, oh, wow, that's a lot. And then realized that, yeah, they didn't get a first round pick. And the reason being is... It's the running back position. It just doesn't hold that kind of value anymore. Even though the eyeball test with Christian McCaffrey, like you see that guy when he's healthy, you're like, wow, this is a dynamic player. Put him on any team and he's going to be successful. The big if there is the healthy part. He can't stay healthy. So if he can stay healthy and prove that the last two and a half seasons were the exception, not the rule, then San Francisco has got themselves a great dynamic back. If he gets hurt in two weeks, like he's done every season, then okay, Carolina's sitting there with a haul of picks for a guy that they couldn't even get out on the field. And and I know this all too well. The best ability is availability. That's a pretty good line. <laughs> I can't believe he's 26. 
he feels way older than that, probably just because he's been hurt so much. Uh, but I know they're accepting calls too for DJ Moore for their their number one receiver, which uh, like two weeks ago, there was an article about how Baker is going to be involved in the process of finding a coach and like, oh, they oh, lied wow. to you. They <laughs> lied to you, Baker. <laughs> it's over again. You'll be calling college football games next year, which is okay. He'd probably be great at that. That's a big haul, but Phil, any, everything Phil said is absolutely right. Like, it's it's an undervalued position, but you know a guy who saw the field today. He was you know he got traded like two days ago. <laughs> he was on the field for like over twenty plays. So uh, I think it's a smart move for the Niners. Um, makes them yeah. more dynamic in a in a division in a, a conference that's kind of up for grabs. For sure. I mean, it's interesting. They now have like two of these Swiss Army knife guys because they got Debo too. So great move for the 49ers. I guess I was a little surprised that a one wasn't involved, just because it's a pretty big name still and i guess i put it mostly on the health issue for why they didn't have to give that up in order to get him or maybe the fact that carolina is just in like full fire sale mode like a baseball team or a basketball team nearing the trade deadline they're just trying to unload everything they pick up draft picks but i I was surprised he wasn't worth more i think he's gonna have a big impact if he can stay healthy for the 49ers so let's move on to the gridiron who should consider retiring this week tom brady the three and four Bucks lost to Carolina 21 to three. Brady completed 32 passes, but the offense didn't score a touchdown. Or Aaron Rodgers, the three and four Packers lost to the Commanders. He only had 194 yards passing in that game. Who should be retired? God, you hate to see this stuff, don't you? Again, here we are <laughs> right back to where we were with the Yankees. Man, I, I would lean towards Tom Brady, but I think he's got to really buckle down and play like another 10 years with this divorce proceedings going on. He's going to really need the income, <laughs> you know, so he might be in some trouble here. I'll still go with with Brady. I, I he I, I man, I, I don't know. How do you lose to the Carolina Panthers? The Buccaneers might not be good. They, they might be as bad as our Cleveland Browns. And and that's great to see. And he's maybe this is the year where we see him fall off the cliff. Although I don't know that it was, he was the reason they lost. I didn't watch any of that game. It sounds like he had a decent game. I have no idea, but he's old. He's like our age. So he should be retired. I'm only going to go with Aaron Rodgers because it seems like for the last 10 years, everyone on the planet has doubted Tom Brady's abilities. So I'm not going to be in that. I've never been in that group. I don't want to be in that group only because, yeah, he's our age. and I want to see him continue to be great. But mostly when people start to question him is is when, uh, you know, he does his best work. I'm going with Brady. He, he should be retired. He should have been last year. Should have stayed retired when he retired. Uh, but I will say, Phil, that you misunderstand the divorce law proceedings. I Do I? Just- yeah, really. I, actually, I may disagree with you wholeheartedly. I think Giselle should be the one who's more worried because I have a feeling she has more money than she Tom does Brady. have more money. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. she does. Yeah. So yeah. you don't want to be the one with the most money in the divorce proceeding. Well, moving on, that took a weird turn. The New York Giants are six and one. The New York Jets are five and two. Which New York NFL team is a bigger surprise? I, I put them on equal plane because I thought. The Giants will be dog shit, and I thought the Jets would be dog shit too. And especially after the week one loss for the Jets, where the coach said came out and said, I'm gonna keep those receipts. I'm like, this guy's a moron, but nope, he kept them. Uh, so I think it's gonna be the Jets for me, only because I thought that was a team in, in real turmoil over the past like five plus years, where the Giants at least had serviceable players and athletes, where I didn't see many on the Jets. So both of them are surprised, but I'm gonna I'm gonna lean more for the Jets. Uh, this is a hard call. Like I am, 
I am surprised by both of these teams. I didn't think I didn't think they'd amass five wins together through the whole season. I don't think, you know, and here they are at what'd you say, four and two and five and two or five and five one and six and five one and, one and five and six and, and one. Jeez. Jeez. Yeah. That's ridiculous. Like that's I, I there's no way I could decide what which of those two teams surprises me more. I can't tell you who plays offense for the New York football giants, and yet they have that record. And I can't tell you who plays defense for the New York football jets. And yet they have that record. It's amazing. Why not us, man? Why not us? <laughs> no, we're not going backwards. We're Sorry. not going backwards. We're only going forward. Uh, I'm going with the jets just like, cause I think historically they've been so much worse. Uh, and I did not know that this head coach would be the guy that could turn them around. So congratulations, New York jets fans. Um, I'm really surprised you're any good moving on. Let's talk a little major league baseball league championship series i'll be honest i didn't pay much attention once the guardians got eliminated i needed a break from baseball but along the way we missed some surprising and interesting stuff the philadelphia phillies are going to the world series after winning today in game five bryce harper drove in the winning runs with a two-run home run in the bottom of the eighth today in the playoffs harper is hitting 419 with five home runs and 11 rbis Given all the hype when his career started, would you say that he was a bit of a disappointment until this run, this season, and in the playoffs? I don't know that I would say he's a disappointment. He's been a good player for a long time. I I, I think the hype was outrageous. Like he was going to be the next Willie Mays type player, um, which is not fair to put on anybody. But he's a really good player. He's a perennial all-star. And now he's doing it at a time where it matters most for a team that just kind of got through the season you know i mean and now they need his his ability to carry him through the playoffs and he's doing it so i don't know that he's a disappointment i think he's a really good baseball player and always has been yeah i think after lebron james people looked for somebody who was going to be that next no matter what sport it was and people latched onto him and like phil said it was unfair he's on the cover of sports illustrated when he was in high school he was the only guy i think in the last 10 plus years i sought out when he was in double a baseball to go to the game here in erie and he hit for the cycle i'm like this guy's really good uh and he and he has been a a a really good solid major league baseball player and man wouldn't you like to have i don't care if he was on our team but a guy who hit like that in this playoff run like big players come up big in clutch times and 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 he has and and they're riding him to the world series man who would have thought the phillies would be in the world series fair or not when he signed that huge deal with the Phillies, I remember thinking, this is a mistake. They missed him. He's already, I don't know, like his body has taken a pounding because of the way that he plays. And he's already kind of on the downhill slope of his career. And his his batting average slumped there for a few seasons. And his power numbers went down for a little bit. He has since come back. And he's played pretty well for the Phillies the last couple of years. So I guess that's kind of where I get the disappointment idea from was that, man, he's he signed that massive deal with Philly. And you never thought it was going to be, never thought it was going to lead to them being winners. Here I am, once again, wrong. But he is certainly having like the type of playoff run that you need the best player on your team to have Uh, he is carrying that team to the playoffs right now as we mentioned the Astros are cruising through the Yankees they are up three games to nothing right now although I think Harrison Bader just hit a home buddy our buddy Bader just put it over the left field wall (laughs) so it's five four Yankees in the sixth but you know what I don't care let's bury the Yankees even before this game is done who wins the Phillies Astros World Series (laughs) fantastic 
the Yankees are about to make the most amazing comeback of all time <laughs> in the ALCS. Who wins a Phillies Astros World Series? I'm going to root really hard for the Philadelphia Phillies, but I feel like it's the Houston Astros. I, I can already see the headlines like, okay, this one's legit, blah, blah, blah. You know, they didn't cheat, so we think, I guess, uh, whatever. But they're, they're a good baseball team. They are really good. They've got some really good young talent and guys that are almost 40 pitching better than they did when they were 25 somehow. So uh, I'm going to lean towards the Astros in that matchup. I mean, they, they were probably the most complete team in Major League Baseball, even with the Dodgers. And you can talk about some National League teams. I'm with Phil here. Like, all I want to do is root for the Phillies here. But I, I just think the Astros are, are too good, man. They are good from top to bottom. And the Phillies have, have defied odds for, for two rounds here. But I just think the Astros are a buzzsaw, man. And they're going to cut right through Philly. Yeah, it's really hard to come up with any possible way the Phillies win that series. Uh, but I'm going with them. I'm going with Attaboy. the Phillies. Good. <laughs> Huge balls. I love it. <laughs> so moving on from baseball to our NBA side piece standings, looking at how our NBA mistresses are doing after one week in the NBA season. As you remember, we drafted our best and worst side pieces. You get a point for wins from your best team, point for losses from your worst team. Current standing, Chuck on top, perfect six points. The Celtics 3-0, and the Rockets 0-3. I'm one step behind you. Bucks are 2-0, and Magic is 0-3. That's five points for me. Burke was doing well, but then the Pacers won a game. That really threw him off. <laughs> Miller is struggling a little bit. He's got three points, and his bad side piece, the San Antonio Spurs actually have a winning record right Damn now. Damn it. That's not going well for <laughs> Miller. Uh, in a similar boat with only two points, poor Phil Denko. Yes. The 76ers, his good side piece are 0-3. <laughs> yes, that's right. 0-3. <laughs> so how are you feeling about your selections after one week in the NBA season? I'm feeling great, man. I'm feeling great. I'm never first in any group. And any friend's competition, I'm taking it. I feel like King Viserys uh, in episodes uh, four through eight <laughs> is how I feel. My good side piece sucks. They're 0-3. <laughs> I think they'll get it turned around, though. My one hesitation about feeling really good is that that rookie for the Magic, that Banchero kid, looks really, really good yeah. already. And that might get them some wins that none of us thought were coming. But it's early in the side piece standings we got a lot of basketball to go so i suspect these numbers and these positions will change but fellas that's going to be it for this segment why don't we take our last break come back head off the field for a little all ears taylor swift time fellas welcome back to our final segment we'll head off the field and when a force of nature releases new music, we are powerless to avoid it. Welcome to From the Land, All Ears, where it is midnight, thanks to Taylor Swift. Described by some as a generational talent, Swift is one of the best-selling musicians of all time. Having sold more than 200 million records globally, she has won more than 400 awards, including 11 Grammys, 34 American Music Awards, the most for any act ever, and 29 Billboard Music Awards, the most for any woman ever. On Friday night, she released Midnight's and then released some more songs at 3 a.m. that you guys didn't want to listen to. 
So we're not going to be talking at all about the 3 a.m. version of Midnight's. We're only going to talk about the midnight versions of Midnight's. That's all we've got time to cover. And I will start by saying I am obviously, at best, a casual fan of Taylor Swift. I'm not even sure I'd go that far. But I would say that if casual fans know anything about her music, it's that people say her songs are always about breakups or bad relationships with celeb boyfriends. After listening to Midnight's, is there any value in looking for that theme in these songs? Or is that just like a bullshit narrative that nobody should believe anymore? I think it's a little bit of both because it's going to always be attached to her. But I, I tried not to listen to it that way. And I, I don't know if I heard a lot of that. I mean, I heard obviously some of it. And I tried not to dig too deep and just enjoy this general generational talent for what she truly is. Um, but no, I, I heard it, but I, I try not. I don't. I'm a Swifty, like we're all Swifties here, but um, I think she's getting Calm a little down. more mature, a little more mature with this album. I think there was some of that on this album, which is perfectly fine. Like that, that is a topic that an artist, that's what drives them to write the music or paint the picture or whatever it is, then so be it. But it certainly wasn't the whole album. And in fact, she went completely the other way on a lot of these tracks too. So this is by far my favorite Taylor Swift album that I ever listened to beginning to end multiple times for three days. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know enough about her prior relationships to know what these songs would be about or who they would relate to. What I heard was somebody writing songs about like what's happening in their lives and what she's experiencing or what she sees happening in the lives of people around her. I would never have any problem with somebody writing about that. That's what you're supposed to do as a musician. So I think it's bullshit. That's what I've decided. That's bullshit. Yeah. yeah. All right. Besides today, what other decade would this album fit in? Electro synth 80s pop, light pop 90s hip hop, Britney Christina 2000 aughts dance pop, or something else? Well, that's interesting. I don't I don't know that it fits squarely in any of those three options. It's it's certainly not the dance pop. Her top is get pretty deep which I kind of enjoyed, I'll, I'll be honest. But it's it's not the it's not the hip-hop pop either. There's a little bit of that. You feel like, okay, it's going that route on a couple tracks, but but really not throughout that album. So I, I don't think it fits neatly into any of those categories, to be honest with you. Yeah, I don't think it's a perfect match for any of them just because th there's a lot of minimalist to, to the, the, the beats on it uh, and the production. But if it fits anywhere, I think it's 80 synth pop just because there's a... There's a heavy feel to some songs um, where, where I thought, hey, man, like either Stranger Things is really affecting everyone, <laughs> like, like everything in pop yeah. culture at this point. But, yeah, I think that that's where it fits best out of out of your, your categories. The 80s thing is what got me thinking about it. And, and I appreciate you bringing up uh, Stranger Things because that was what I heard. Yeah. And some of these songs, I was actually going to put it in the light pop 90s hip hop. There, there was to me like a pretty consistent pop hip hop type of flair to every song on the album they all had kind of a like a beat to them i'd put it in the 90s hip-hop range do you think that ms swift had a theme or story throughout the album that she was sticking to or trying to express if there is i, I really didn't hear it she she re the one we're reviewing the midnight midnight album was yeah. how she wanted it released as like a, a concept album of 
you know, these were dreams or whatever that happened, each of these separate songs, which I didn't want to get too far into the weeds. That's not for me as a 45 year old male. <laughs> so I, I, I don't know if I, I listened to it enough to hear the concept of the album or, or the underlying theme of it, but they, they're all supposed to stand alone, apparently each song. And, and then that's where I said, enough i'm just gonna to listen to this album uh, and not read or try to uh, try to go too deep into it yeah I, I heard the same thing where these are you know the the midnight's theme where these are things that were keeping her awake at night so to speak right like each one of these tracks was some battle in her own mind with whatever she was feeling or something and they weren't all negative there were some positive things there too so i i, I did Kind of think about that going into that where she missed i think personally as i listened to it where she missed on that there was no kind of woven storyline through that concept much like we saw on uh dawn fm by the weekend like i think if if there was something like that on this album i might think even higher of it and i i don't think poorly of this album at all i i enjoyed it actually but but i, I in terms of the story it it lacked what we got on on the weekend's album with Dawn FM. So if there was anything I could find that was, and I agree, it's not consistent through every song, but what I came away from after listening to it a half a dozen times is that when it comes to a broken heart, Taylor Swift is not afraid of the knocking. Taylor Swift is the one who knocks. <laughs> you listen to the lyrics in, oh, no. in Midnight Rain. <laughs> My boy was a montage, a slow motion, love potion, jumping off things in the ocean, which is just kind of a hilarious set of lines. But <laughs> I broke his heart because he was nice. Like, ouch. Vigilante shit. I don't dress for women. I don't dress for men. Lately, I've been dressing for revenge. Like, okay, that's that's tough. And karma. Ask me what I learned from all these years. Ask me what I earned from all these tears. Ask me why so many fade, but I'm still here. Like, it, like she is leaving all of these things behind and like doing her thing. Uh, and I don't think that my impression that she was always singing songs about these like bad breakups. I, I didn't hear that in this. What I heard was like, yeah, I did it. What are you going to do about it? Uh, that, that was, that was the Taylor Swift. I heard on to uh, the next. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What do you think was the best song on the album? Uh, this is hard for me. I, I kept thinking about this album as a whole. And it was, I didn't have a single song I disliked on the album, which was weird. Cause I thought for sure that was coming. Like, I thought for sure <laughs> there was going to be a track or two that I'm like, Oh, this is terrible. And I, I really didn't have that. I, I liked every track on it. The flip side of that was there, there were none that like stuck out to me like, wow, this is a really good piece of music, but there were some that I enjoyed that what the story she was saying, like, I really like mastermind, which is the last song on the album she's like a diabolical evil genius and she's talking about it. And I'm like, wow, that's a really good track to end this entire album yeah. with. Right. Like I, I kept coming back to that. I'm like, that is, that's pretty good. I like that. I, I like that a lot. So that was one of my favorites. I did like anti-hero and lavender haze as well, but I, again, I, it was hard for me to rank them because I kind of liked all of them and I didn't love any of them. See mastermind. Yeah. You know, she, right? She's the danger. Yeah. Right. And then, she, and then the mastermind. Uh, so I guess I'll go with mastermind because I got to that. I'm like, oh shit, this is what she's doing to me. All right. You win, Taylor. You win again. <laughs> Chuck, how about you? I'm, I'm with Phil. I, I liked a lot of the stuff on the album tracks one through five. I thought this is really, really well done because it's a different sound for her, at least 
with her voice, with the way um, the guy who produced it from Bleachers, uh, and he produced her first pop album too. I've never heard her voice layered like he, like it is in in this or uh, altered. Uh, usually, it's just pretty straightforward. So, as far as favorite songs, uh, I really love Lavender Haze. I think uh, track five, You're On Your Own Kid, is a good song. Maroon is a good song. Karma is a good song. And I think the more I listen to this album, because I'll continue to listen to it, I think it'll get better. But I really think Antihero right now is the best song on that album because it reminds me of the song she did where different subject matter, but they were earworms. And I can't tell you how many times I looked at my three-month-old daughter almost and went, it's me, hi, like all weekend. Uh, it's just, it's an earworm of a song. Um, and I appreciate it, but I, I think there's a lot of strong songs on it, but right now it's anti-hero. I need to know what earworm of a song means. It, you can't get it out of your head. Oh, okay. You're constantly Burrowing singing. into your brain, right? Yeah. yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Like Wrath yeah. of Khan stuff. Gotcha. <laughs> yep. Um, <laughs> I heard. <laughs> Mastermind is good. Anti-hero was good. I, I liked Karma the best. Uh, it was a little bit more upbeat than some of the other songs. I like the tempo. There's some great lyrics because karma is the thunder rattling your ground. Karma is on your scent like a bounty hunter. Karma going to track you down step by step from town to town. That's the scariest explanation I've ever heard of <laughs> karma in my life, man. And I don't know. There's something about the Taylor danger that I enjoyed in that song. Uh, um, so overall, I leave the album somewhat scared of Taylor Swift. All right, bourbon scale. Chucky, how many bourbons scale of one to five are you giving this album i think where i'm at right now it's a three and i don't think it's bad i think it'll grow on me the more i listen to it and again i'll listen to it the problem i had sometimes where i don't appreciate potty mouth taylor swift i've never heard potty mouth taylor swift and i don't know why i'm hearing fucking shit like it just didn't make it sounded a little forced at times like i'm gonna be edgy like you're never gonna be edgy taylor just do you um but again, it's it's a really well-produced album. I think sometimes minimally the beats kind of took away in the second half of the album for me, and then it kind of comes back in. But those first four to five tracks, I thought this this is a really great album, and then it tailed off a bit. So shockingly, uh, I'm in the three range right now. I really was pleasantly surprised by Potty Mouth Taylor Swift. I was like, oh, like, hey, okay, like this is not... This is not the album that you're just going to put in your grade school age daughter's backpack and send her to school with. She actually threw the word dickhead into a song. When's yeah. the last time you heard the word dickhead in a song? It's been like, a while. Is it Eminem? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Like, come on. So I don't know. On that scale, I, I, I would, I guess I would lean, and this is a positive thing in my mind. I'm going to lean toward a three as well. Like, I'm not going to put it right in the middle. It's slightly above that. I actually listened to it six or seven times in the last few days and never skipped a song and enjoyed it for what it was i don't know that i'm going to go back and listen to the whole thing straight through again but i might pick some tracks out and listen to it again that's interesting how we how we rate these because i'm at a 3.5 because i really enjoyed it i thought it was a good album i don't think i'll ever listen to it again you know like it's not my type of music i am 100 percent sure that 45-year-old Jason Gerber is not the target audience that Taylor Swift is looking for. it's on our playlist for. next year, you will <laughs> yeah. be right. forced. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Listen to yeah. It again. But to me, a 3.5 is a, hey, it's a good album. I can appreciate the fact that it's, you know, it's got, a, probably has a couple of hits on it and it's going to be a monster thing, but it's just not really, not really for me. So 3.5 on my bourbon scale. But let's move from the queen of music to the battle of the queens, House of Dragon. Episode nine, looking back, you know, 
over the years with Game of Thrones, we've had Cersei, Rhaenyra, Alicent, Marjorie Tyrell was a queen. Which queen had your favorite feet, Chuck? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm trying to think if I was ever exposed to any of them other than this past episode. So I guess I got to go with with high tat. Yeah. this is this is getting dangerously close to the Disney answer. hot characters. <laughs> yeah, right. I don't feel comfortable answering yeah, this. I'm not okay with this. <laughs> oh, that was genius. I forgot about that. <laughs> Obviously, that's a really weird scene uh in last week's episode. I think I like it in Game of Thrones because I think what it shows, and we've seen this so many times in the in the history of the show, is these people will do anything to get power. And so this Queen Allison, this very like uptight, prim, proper, follow the rules lady is doing weird stuff because she needs the information. She needs what the guy it wants to help with. Anyway, I don't know. Thoughts on episode lot nine leading into the season finale, which comes out tonight. Well, before I get to that, I would like to take this opportunity to talk about the foot fetish thing. Again. <laughs> In the larger scheme of things, all Game of Thrones and House of Dragon up to this point really not that awful of a thing to have occurred in this in this right i mean think about oh yeah some of, of the other yeah. yeah uncomfortable things that have occurred throughout this run in 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 westeros so wholly acceptable unco- for a niece un- to marry her uncomfortable uncle. That's, that's, in that yeah. moment but when re- you really look at it like all right whatever like a foot fetish are we gonna really worry about that with all this other shit going on so anyway, what was your question again? Something about something <laughs> so about the on show. episode nine leading into the season finale, uh, yeah. which comes out tonight. So I love um, I I'm I like to go into each of these episodes fresh to borrow a phrase from Tom Burke. So I don't read anything. And then whenever I watch it, I watch it once. And then after I watch it once, then I read all the bullshit that's online and then I watch it a second time. So I'm, I'm sometimes biased by what I read uh, in between the two watchings. And I'm late to this party, but everything that the the Targaryen girl the daughter, the sister, daughter, sister, cousin, whatever the hell she is, the young girl who's married to her brother says, is her name Helena or something like that? Oh, yeah. She, yep. Everything she says is coming true. And it's just, are you paying attention? You know, the beast below the floorboards or whatever the hell it was. So yep. now I'm going to watch the last episode, really paying close attention to what the hell she's talking about. <laughs> <laughs> like, holy shit. But, but more than that, I'm looking forward to what we've all been talking about is now now it's on. It looks like we're going to see some dragon fire on dragon fire in this in in the coming episode, uh, which is the final episode of this season. One of my questions, actually, what, what Phil brought up was that the beast beneath the floorboards or whatever was was that what it was? Uh, and also the other question I had is the more I, I think like because Kirby talked about it last week, like this kid does not want to be king. It's like he doesn't want to do anything. And I'm wondering if his brother, if that's his kids actually, because you've read the books, like is the sister fuck didn't really fuck his sister and he those two are his children i don't know uh but oh, that's no, a question no. i had like it yeah, no. yeah, I, yeah i mean i don't know let's get beyond the feet and get really into the dirty yeah. stuff here um what what i what i thought was like what a great job the the girl who who plays the queen is doing uh like how she's she was shocked they're plotting to, to put one of their children on oh i'm yeah. so shocked yeah. Uh, all right. But I, I do like the fact that the one thing Game of Thrones has, has done, and even in, in this with House of Dragon, is that women are the central characters of power through most of them. And we don't typically see that a lot. Uh, they're, they're the ones who pull the strings. Uh, they're the ones who are more badass than most of the men on the show. 
So what it sets up, what am I looking forward to in the, in the finale? I don't know if there's going to be a payoff and I'm, I'm going to be okay with that. I think, you know, word will get to Rhaenyra what's going to happen. And and I think that the, the show, the series finale ends before there is any major conflict. Uh, and I'm going to be okay with that. Cause it's just going to, it's going to dictate me all the way till they release season two. <laughs> so I'm just, I'm just trying to, just trying to enjoy the ride uh, in something that I thought would be good, but has turned out to be great. I really liked how they did the entire episode and Rhaenyra like never shows up. Yep. They really tell it all from the perspective of what's happening in King's Landing. And I thought that was a really cool way to do it. It would seem to me that they'd be rushing things a little bit to have like actual dragon fights in this next episode. I think they that probably waits until next season. But I'm looking forward to see what happens when I think Rhaenyra, from the, at least from the trailer for the preview for this week's episode, has some hesitancy about whether she really wants to go to war over this. And I think Damon's probably going to talk her into it because I think <laughs> yeah. that's what he Or do it anyway. Do. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Just do it anyway. <laughs> um, but it, it'll be interesting to see because I think she may start with some hesitancy, but, I, but obviously in the end we know she puts a crown on too. Um, and there are two rulers of Westeros, you know, one in King's Landing and one on Dragon, whatever the hell they call their island. Uh, all right. So that's it for House of Dragon. We will come back next week and recap the the finale. And we we may we may spend a show here coming up soon going into a full look back on the entire season. But we can't leave without talking about the worst fantasy league ever too. Gerber trade report failed again. Thought I really had it this week. Try to take advantage of Burke's love for the Browns in Ohio State. It's going to trade him David Njoku and Ezekiel Elliott and the Dallas defense for Mark Andrews, the Ravens tight end that he has to hate. Uh, Clyde Edward Hilaire running back for uh, uh, Kansas City and the Rams defense. Uh, I also offered to permanently delete my Burkosaurus pick from the Denver trip, but that wasn't enough. (laughs) Did not get a trade done. He was probably smart about it because we were playing each other this week. You never want to make that trade. But anyway, no dice again. We'll see if maybe something can happen. Denko, I think you're the only person I haven't tried to trade with in the league. I know. So I've been waiting be every week. I'm just going to say I'm just going to say yes so we can talk your team, about it. Yeah. Your team kind of sucks. So to be honest, I'm well, not that kinda. interested. <laughs> All right. So who is your MFMVFP for the week? You believe this cunt, Dalton Schultz. <laughs> I'm working on a turkey, man. I'm working on over three. No catches, no yards, no nothing. Again? Oh, but Dak Prescott has to come back, and he relies on his tight end. He had five grabs for 49 yards. Uh, so in our league, I assume that's worth about 870 easily. points. Yeah. So I'm giving him my uh, MF MVP. Uh, this week, I'm giving mine to the artificial intelligence that runs the auto draft algorithm because I had seven guys on a buy this week the same <laughs> oh, no who how do you have seven guys on a buy in the same week you couldn't Auto get a draft bag what the hell <laughs> i had to pick up a wide receiver off of waivers just to feel the team all right i'm going with jimmy g he was subbing in today for josh allen who's on a buy uh he had 40 points which sounds great but it's almost exactly half of burke's quarterback because he started joe burrow today I am getting absolutely creamed in this week's game. So uh, Jimmy G, hell of an effort guy, but I need two of you to compete this week. Uh, (laughs) Fellas, we are out of time. I am out of questions for now. And we just did the whole show without mentioning that the trailer for Creed 3 was released last week. With that news, 
proving that my workout routine is in fact not working out at all. I hope you guys have a great week and let's get together and do this again real soon. Absolutely. Filling in for, uh, for miles teller today, right? Yeah, not not Miles Teller. <laughs> what the what the hell's guys? I wrote down, I wrote down Antonio. Miles, Miles Teller is, is in <laughs> oh, is in movie. my world. <laughs> oh, boy, <laughs> he was a hell of a drummer. Uh, Wyatt in, Teller. Uh... All right. Yeah. yeah. Wyatt. So he they rebound with a thirty point <clears throat> they rebound with a thirty two point blowout in Chicago. Oh God, Gerber, read fucking right. They rebound with a 32 point blowout win. Why can't I say 32 point blowout? <laughs> I thought the Giants would be dog shit. I thought. Sorry about that. Apparently, we can't call 911 in Erie. That, that was the alert. Um, wow, that's a problem. Yes. That's a big problem. Like, why can't yeah. I do that? I don't know. Tried to silence it. Um, Oh shit! I'm gonna try to make this easy for you to edit. I should just start over. What was who was most surprising? Which New York team? Yeah, yeah. And what's the deal with the Coro? We were way off. I don't know, man. I thought he was gonna make. Well, there's still plenty. It's week one, but yeah, it's it. Yeah. He needs to make a monster jump this year. He's getting minutes. <clears throat> like he played 20 minutes tonight and got yeah. two points. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I actually, we started going long. I mean, that was like 30 minutes we just spent on Cleveland stuff. One of my we, questions was going to be about him because he yeah. had zero points in 12 minutes against the Raptors, two points in 27 against the Bulls, and two points in 20 tonight. Did it really only take six days for our Okoro is the starter prediction to stink? <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. you look you look at it, like the minute distribution, Jetty got 32 tonight. So he's clear. Yeah, and big. he's he's – as soon as he comes into the game, these past couple games, like he's scoring like crazy. Like he's yeah. double yeah. digit scoring. I don't, like, yeah. I don't like his game. I just wonder if, if he if he stays like this, if if they need something to make a run, if that's a guy they would they would ship out of town to get a piece. Who yeah. Jetty or Okoro? Package them. <laughs> probably <of> them. Jetty. <laughs> <laughs> probably both, both of them, but probably Jetty. We don't need a small forward. <laughs> no. no. Right, well, unless we're trading for a small forward. Uh-huh. But you know what? Like Levert has been okay. I, I, like, yeah, neither he's neither out, right? Levert or Okoro have been exactly what you want, but they've been okay. Like he's yeah. been okay. Okoro hasn't, and um, looks really like scared or or lacking in confidence or something like that when he's out there. Okoro just. Bleh. Don't you hope it's just a year we have to wait? Like early on in, in game, I of hope Thrones. it's only two months. Yeah, like yeah. can we just start it like one <laughs> yeah. one one month off and then just we well, can't have these people aging too much. Yeah, right. Come on, you got to be you got to be filming these things already, right? <laughs> Let's go. Yeah, yeah. Um, but early on in in Game of Thrones, they released them every year about August September, didn't they? It was or at least the first. I can't remember. Uh, yeah, I think it maybe was the yearly. first couple, but by the end, it was they spread them out. Yeah. It's going to suck if we have to wait more than a year. I'm hoping you don't. I hope, like, the the Jon Snow thing's ready in, like, two years. So, mm-hmm. you know, you're either getting one or the other 
every six months. So yeah, that would be my hope. So the the Jon Snow thing is after Game of Thrones. It happens. What yeah, he does picks up right after. I guess that makes sense. Before wouldn't make much sense just growing up. He just watched him as a boy. <laughs> He's a, I'm a bastard. He's another Targaryen bastard <laughs> with brown hair. Yeah. <laughs> How about uh um Aegon's bastard in the in the kid fight club sitting in the corner. Yeah. How about oh, kid God. fight club? Kid fight yeah. club also. Hey, only only outdone first rule by... about kid fight club is we don't <laughs> yeah. talk about kid fight club. Yeah, fuck only yeah. outdone by foot fetish Laris. Like, fuck. oh gosh, thank <laughs> you for reminding. I completely forgot about it. that. We're gonna get to it. Save it for the show. <laughs> oh, uh, I, I'll, I could talk about that all show if you want. <laughs> not not the foot fetish, but that just was, that was something that um that was something that like when it happened. Like I'm watching it. I'm like, is that? Yeah. I'm really seeing what I think yes. I'm seeing right now. Yeah. And then like I read like a like a recap afterwards. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. Everybody else so, saw uh, what I saw. That was so uh, that on your me. second on the second watch. What I noticed, and I did not pick up with this on the first watch. He actually holds back on information and like looks down at her and like nods, yeah. and then she starts taking her stockings off, and then he gives uh, her information. I'm like, oh god, that's worse. Fantastic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> They've been doing this for a while. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. A lot happens in those time jumps. Yeah, right. <laughs> Apparently with feet. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, a foot fetish in that in that time era, whatever. I don't know. That can't be that no, great. Any of it. <laughs> those feet can't be, so be clean. Stinky. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Those uh, feet can't be clean. Be so stinky. <laughs> Bathing like once a week. He, and he just... He just he just jerks off into the cloak that he's wearing all the time. Like, all right. Like, it's yeah. not heavy enough. You didn't, you didn't wash that. You're just walking around with it the rest of the episode. That's fantastic. Oh, gosh. First round, he's a linebacker? Yes. Mike yeah. Junkin. No, no, this is no. This isn't like he was from last... LSU. Yeah, yeah. Over the last six years, maybe. Is it Mingo? Yeah, Barkevius Mingo. Mingo. Yes, he had a oh, weird yeah. name. I told you, sure I was did. right about that. Barkevius yep. was perfect for the dog pound too. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, Mingo. God, he, he you're right. He was an outside lamp because we were playing. We were playing a three four. And he was yeah. an outside linebacker, yep. but and he would always put his hand on the ground. He'd be a pass rushing linebacker. That he was the sixth overall pick. Yeah, Barkevius Mingo. God, yeah. Uh, How are we bad? I don't know. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> Sometimes, do you guys wonder? Like, I, this is ridiculous. But if like three guys like us just made all the decisions for the Browns, would they be any worse? I don't think so. Yes, I, they'd be. They'd be so no, bad. I don't they'd think be so. so bad. Oh, absolutely. You are fooling yourself if you oh. think we could just roll off the street and make any of these decisions. <laughs> wait, so maybe, no, maybe no. not like evaluating talent. Like, leave that up to people that are doing that. But I don't know. I don't know. Like I mean, I think I we'd be watching... good for like a Brown sponsored podcast. <laughs> I, don't, I think I could. I, I think I could make a positive impact in their legal department. <laughs> that, yeah. There's nothing in football operations I could do better than it. anybody who's there is doing it. Which is really, man. I don't know. Doesn't mean they're doing it well, but I, they're doing it way better than I ever could. That's hilarious. Don't you think we could do this? Don't you think we could draft better? I mean, listen, I think I would have not drafted Brandon Whedon or Justin Gilbert. 
Yeah. So, okay. So let me qualify. Well, that. Justin so, Gilbert, maybe I would have because he was like a stud, but I wouldn't have drafted Manziel. I would not have drafted either of those quarterbacks. Right. So as dumbass fans, there's no way we're getting good picks in the middle rounds because we cannot evaluate that talent, right? Yeah. But I feel like if they let us just pick the first round pick for the last <laughs> decade, we draft day two, we would have done better or at least as good <laughs> as they did. Like it's it really, it's like, you know. No, All you have to do, it's like drafting your fantasy team. All you have to do is who is the best football player rated next? Pick that guy. I don't know. Everybody loved the Baker Mayfield pick. That wasn't probably the right choice. Anyway, right. Uh, yeah. Um, this is going to make a great outtake because that's a foolish thing for you to think <laughs> that we could do this better than the people who get paid to do it and do it for their it's, entire it's career. It's just my frustration as a fan watching them just fumble every opportunity and every pick and every play call and every, everything. What have we done? Right. Joe Thomas. Yeah. Joe Thomas. There you go. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Hall of fame career. Oh, Miles Garrett. There's an argument there for miles. Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb too. But he wasn't a first rounder. Yeah. Yeah. Joe Um, Thomas was perfect. And, and we, we, we really supported that guy through his career by going to the playoffs zero times. (laughs) right yep. <laughs> yeah come yep. on yep what the hell well he can talk to miles about it at least miles got to go to one he, one playoff yeah, game to, or two yeah well he didn't get the did he oh yeah he played in that playoff game he did. yeah he played he right. yeah all right yeah. enough fun that's gonna be hilarious <laughs> Denko thinks we can do a better job i'm sticking with it i identify as a football <laughs> guru <laughs> our, our, our free podcast that 50 people a week listen to on a good week we're qualified to Run this organization We're, better. All I right. would not. I would not have drafted Johnny Manziel because a homeless man told me to. <laughs> you know, come right. on. Like, come well, on. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I agree with that. What do you mean I'm funny? Funny like a clown? Here to amuse you.